Welcome to my basement, everybody. I have a very special guest on the show today. It's the first time we are sitting down together and having a conversation. Brian Tong, you know him as a tech reporter and a man about town. You've seen him in a bunch of different things, but he's got his own channel and he's been covering a lot of the Apple world top to bottom. And of course, we're going to talk about all of the new iPhone drops and announcements that have come out this week from Apple. Everybody, please welcome Brian Tong to Vic's Basement. How you doing, buddy? Woo, the basement is filled with toys, so I feel like I belong here, Vic. I feel like I'm here. Okay, It's a you, safe space is, for nerds here. This is what this super, is. Okay, this is a silly question because we know each other. It's called Vic's Basement, but you still go by Victor, but you're calling it Vic's Basement, right? Or am I supposed to call I you Vic now? Uh, Vic is fine. I'm, I'm good with really? Vic or Victor. And the funny thing about this basement, which is literally where I shoot everything now, is that it was a tongue-in-cheek name for a podcast that we launched when we were, you know, running our two daily shows. We also did a <laughs> podcast on the side, and it was sort of an homage to this place. I didn't know I would end up in the basement 24-7 making con- I did not know that. And what a world this has been, man, this year. It, Unbelievable. It's, it's absolutely wild. But, you know, first of all, thanks so much for having me. You know, we have known each other for years. We've yep. run into each other at E3s. And I thought what was really cool is you've you've always been just like a gracious, really generous and cool guy. And that's not common when you meet someone that through through these ways. And so I think it was kind of like an instant connection that was that we were like, oh, okay, this is this is good people. And so I think that I wanted to say that off the top because otherwise we wouldn't be doing this interview right now. I'd be like, you know, some people aren't are different and I wouldn't want to do this if they were different like that, you know. I, it's it's such a weird <clears throat> I, thank you. That's very nice. It's such a weird thing for me to hear that uh, uh, people carry an attitude around, uh, you know, having the unbelievable opportunity to you know be a point person around this conversation or to have any kind of platform at all Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. it just poisons them i mean i've i've certainly seen that for sure but um i don't know i I, i've always thought of this as a you know like you give you you put out what you want to get and receive you know and i've had a lot of great things happen in my life and i think a, a large part of that has just been trying to be a good person you know as best yeah. you can and and it shouldn't be an effort you know i think people that's, that's, forget yeah. how to <laughs> i think people forget how to just be um thankful for what they have you know and we're in the season of thanksgiving so there there's a uh, for both canada and for america so th- there's right, the, right. the the message from the show today there it is yeah but, absolutely. but so, you are yeah. you are a, a mega talent i noticed you on cnet and i thought um uh it was an Odd fit because CNET felt very corporate to me, but there you were with all your attitude and your personality. And I always thought, man, this guy is just popping. And, oh. uh, you know, you, I think you had a, a show called Tap That App. <laughs> Did you? Yeah, they, yes? let, they let me do that. I mean, I was, I would say I was, you know, you're right. I was a disruptor in the culture there. And I had a great 10 years and it's fortunate that they gave, took a chance on me to give me that platform. And at the same time, you know, there's obviously restrictions when you work with a large corporate company that sure. has a certain idea of how they want to be presented. And the thing is, you know, when you mentioned this, this is before YouTube was YouTube, right? So I yeah. was lucky to be able to get connected with CNET and be able to just have fun and live a dream to talk about tech, video games, geek culture, and play in this space. I mean, like, like you said, we should be thankful. I'm so thankful to be able to do this even today, being independent on my own man, that's wild, right? You, you can't ask for anything more. So that's why, you know, you, you keep that right perspective on, but being at CNET and um, kind of being able to develop ideas that were non kind of out of their pocket. <laughs> I mean, it, 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 it they served sure, me well, but it was, 
they I told they them needed I, it though. This is how they, I agree. I mean, when I approached them, I saw what they were and I said, Hey, I can kind of mix it up a little for you. And not yeah. it was never about me. That's a thing. This is just who I am. So I just yeah. yeah. I was I was thankful to be able to to kind of develop and play in that space. And that's like that's really basically how you saw me. And then you came up to me at E3 like, hey Brian Tong. And I was like, Oh, whoa. <laughs> Uh, dude, I, I mean, I'm a producer as well, right? Like, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a, a host and I, I get to communicate with lots of different people, but I'm always, you know, looking out for awesome talent and you're, you're, you were fantastic. And I was certainly thinking Thanks, maybe there is going to be a road where we get to collaborate on some, some, some stuff. Uh, but this is the era of the independent creator. Now. It is. And so this is the time for people to collaborate on things like this, but everybody's kind of making their own way and making their own business and when did you go independent with uh with brian tong on on youtube it's now been two years and maybe i believe three or four months and let me tell you it's scary it was not i was definitely not net positive on year one yeah I creeped up to your i mean this is look the funny thing about youtube is a it you don't make you can't it's extremely hard to make a living off of youtube i think you might argue there might be only 1% or 2% of YouTubers that can truly make a living just off of YouTube. It's all about making great content, having people engage with that content, and hopefully they engage with you in other ways on other platforms and kind of building something that companies see and want to work with you. And, yeah. you know, it's it's not, you can have a million subscribers, you're still not making a living off of YouTube. It's just a fact, right? And things yeah. have changed in that dynamic. So I've been doing it for two years and four months, and it's been a a ride like no other. I think I, I definitely understand. I always respected the YouTube hustle. Once you're in it, then you really understand. And my yeah. respect for these people have gone up 10x. I've told it to them when, you know, I've seen them. They're like, you know, they've welcomed the tech world with YouTube has welcomed me with open arms, which I wasn't sure because I came from this corporation, was able to kind of build some level of platform, but totally. they treat you as equals. And I think that's really unique where it's, it's, you might have a few people that kind of have that edge, but it, I felt like the tech community is very welcoming and opening and understanding like no one should go to one single person for their perspective. You've got always yes. like, like, like gaming, you've got to go to maybe five different people just kind of get a sense. It's, it's dangerous to just be stuck on what one person says. Yeah, and I, I think there's two sides to that. You should get to know the people that you are kind of following and consuming and, and uh, uh, you know, hearing their opinions and stuff. Mm -hmm. But yes, you should get multiple opinions. And that's, you know, honestly, I've talked about this quite a bit on uh, my podcasts and my programming. And that's what I really miss about being able to make the television shows is that I built that community within the shows. And we had mm -hmm. lots of different opinions within our content. And it's just not that time right now. You know, we're not quite in, like everybody has a platform and an ability to get it out there and and traditional media and and deep pockets media just isn't investing in that kind of discussion right that's the absence that we have whether it's tech or games or movies or whatever mm -hmm, we, mm -hmm. we are missing that so that's also the opportunity but it's also the risk you know there's a bunch of them but uh we had this tremendous luxury for 20 years to kind of just keep growing and growing and adding people and and uh, uh I, I miss that and i miss the um i miss this i miss this kind of regular kind of communication and and uh you, you know dissection of all of these things that happen at bullet speed you know it's uh <laughs> yeah. it's super fun yeah you know i think that 
for, you know, you asked me about being a creator and going independent. I mean, how, how was that journey for you too? You've been doing it for a while now, but I've always been independent. Cause we, cause we, 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 part of it is working hard, doing what we love. No one has to know, like if it's hard, hard for us, right. That they don't care quite honestly. I mean, some do, but it's not up for us to be like, this is really hard. No, it's just make great stuff and have them keep on coming back. I mean, how was that for you? Well, um, uh, it was, it was, uh, an obsession, you know, in my, I was going to turn third. I was, I was 27 looking at 30 and, uh, I just, I wanted to do something that, um, with my life, you know, I wanted to feel like I wasn't just waiting for a break. I was an actor at that yes, point and, yes. and I was getting some work. Uh, but I, I really had an insight into like, I'm, I'm trusting someone to discover me and give me a gig and, and. I want to flip that around. I want to flip that switch. Like, well, what can I create myself? And so um, it was Electric Playground that I settled on it, and, and it was a hustle. Um, but um, I learned relatively early that it takes so much drive and passion from the creator of something, and that's the X factor. That's what actually gets something made. You know, like you can you're in the beginning stages of actually building something when you vocalize it and when you can kind of memorialize it with a, the treatment of like two or three pages that you can show mm-hmm. somebody and they understand it you're on the way the next step is like the drive to get it done and then you got to hire people or work with people and collaborate and you know help to steer a ship in a in a direction and uh and then the constant banging of the drum to try to get people to pay attention too, you know, um, it's it it never d- doesn't cease to be effort and work. But um, the other side of it is just that gratitude and that that uh, awareness. I, I you know, in our first season of television, um, I made thirteen thousand dollars that year. You know, I made a thousand dollars an episode. That's all the money that I made for, mm-hmm. and I was the producer and the creator and the host of you're the right, show. Yeah, you were doing so much, right? Yeah, and it was on TV. You know, and we were national, <laughs> and and uh, you know, and I still felt like the luckiest person on earth. I, I remember walking home from where our office was downtown, and I, I walked across a bridge to go home, and I was walking across a bridge looking at my city, and I went damn, I made a dream come true. I'm on television with a show about the video game industry and that's, this is what I wanted to do. I'm not making any damn money, but uh, <laughs> holy crap, you know, I, I, I'm doing it, you know, and that's always stuck with me. And I'm sure that that is, you know, that, that come to Jesus moment that you probably had when you left and you had this, this corporation's giving you a check every couple of weeks and then it, they weren't. <laughs> but you were probably like, I, I, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I'm sure you had that moment like, I don't, you know, I, I would do this for nothing and I love doing it and, and I've got some people watching it, right? You know, you talk about drive and passion. To, to be in this creator space, you've got to love what you do. Now, some people can, there are some rare people that can do this, not care about the content, make that money and just work like yeah. a machine. You've yeah. got to love this to do it because there's so many emotional challenges that you face that, no one can ever understand. You might be feeling one good, good day. One, you might be feeling good one day, great one day. Maybe you put out a video that you thought would do great and it's just absolutely bombing and you don't know why and you feel like crap. You have to love this to, to and almost like trust the process, right? You yeah. got to trust the process. Yeah. And when you talk about that, that moment where I was just like, oh, I, there were multiple come to Jesus moments, man. Because, <laughs> you know, it's scary when, when you're getting zero, zero cent, not in a, not a penny, not even a penny. Yeah. And it wasn't yeah. like, 
you know, it wasn't like I was making enough money where I'm sitting on this treasure no. trove of money. You know, Wait. I put in my head, I'm like, I'm going to give this three years, give it my all, and we'll see what happens from there. Because, you know, we again, we're lucky to do what we do. If that changes, then I have to pivot. Ultimately, whatever I end up doing, whether it's creating content or not, I'm going to make sure it's something that I care about and I love, right? I think that's really yeah. important, right? Yeah. Um, and also not to let your job define you. So for me, being involved in media, covering tech, typically covering Apple and stuff, I didn't, that just because I do that for a living and it is part of my DNA, I still don't want that job to define who I am as a person. I think right. sometimes people can get really, it's hard to separate that when in this creator world, we are, it's pretty much integrated in our life 24 seven now. But well, not and also less- YouTube kind of works like that too. I mean, I've seen comments about Electric Playground because like I'm still covering movies and TV shows and tech. And I mean, I'm talking about Apple stuff this week, but a lot of people just want me to focus on, you know, the latest PlayStation or the latest. And, and I love all of that stuff, but I think what keeps me sane is I can kind of talk about a bunch of different things. I think that's super important. I think that's also true for you, right? I mean, you're on the comic book show. You're on DC uh, Daily, right? Yeah, DC. You know, I talk about this all the time. Your audience might want want things. I sometimes put out things just to test to see if my audience will resonate with it or not Mm -hmm. that I care about. Sometimes they do, sometimes they don't, but for sanity purposes, like, sure, I could feed... Apple stuff does extremely well on YouTube. And luckily that happens to be where white people follow me, but I would go crazy if I talked about Apple all day. I love Samsung stuff. I love LG stuff. I love so many other things. So I'll, I, and I don't want to be quite honestly, right. When you're at a company, you kind of have a a pocket they put you in. Like I love and care about tech. So I deliberately choose to cover whatever I want, whether or not that serves the algorithm, right or not, because I'm now I'm my boss. And so yeah. I'll maybe, quite honestly, I'll tell you about this. If I, let's say I have a, a, a week that is strong performing, I'll be like, okay, next week, because this week did stronger than normal, I'm willing to take the hit to do something that I love a little more or something different just to put up on my channel because it makes me feel good. Yeah. Right. Has nothing yeah. to do with monetary value at all. Brian, that's so important, man. And honestly, that that was why our shows lasted on television as long as they did and why they resonate now. You know, when people watch old EP or old reviews on the run, it was all from the heart. <laughs> I mean, we, we knew that there was, uh, you know, some stuff that that we needed to cover and we we had a routine around big releases and all that stuff. But we also worked our butts off to just build something that felt uh super authentic and I learned a lot through that you know and then when we went daily with the shows it was um it gave us a broader scope on all kinds of different things to cover but again it was it was all from the most of it was from the heart there was a lot of stuff where it was it was just straight up information this is being released today this is being released you've got to do that you've got to do that yeah yes no it, the the type of coverage you do demands it. Um, but nobody another- remembers that, you know, people remember, and this is the thing, right? Like, this is what I learned too. It's like <laughs> the, the products are amazing for a little while. What's really amazing are the people that made those products and the mm-hmm. stories behind what those products are capable of, you know? Like, I think it's going to be, um, we haven't quite hit that, that crescendo with Apple shot movies and TV shows yet, mm-hmm. but there will be some excellent ones soon. And those will be remembered more than the latest iPhones are, you know? Absolutely. Uh, you know, it's going to, it, people are just going to, and they're not going to put a number on what phone that 
filmmaker used or whatever that creator used to build that they're just going to say that was shot on an iphone which is good for apple but it's that that human story that that uh and i think there's going to be several of them especially with the with the new advancements that they keep adding and this year is just ridiculous and we'll talk about that in a sec but yeah i think people are more important than then honestly, the, the products that they end up manufacturing, I think the human impetus and that creative spirit and that spark is, it's so valuable. It's, it's so important, you know? Like, you, you know, I think- You are more than your YouTube channel, my friend, is what I'm saying. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. you. You are more than anything you've done. Really. <laughs> That's right? true. Right? I mean, really, really, you know? Yeah. Um, it's, see, this is an interesting perspective that I think I'm going to say it older heads like you and me can- yeah maybe appreciate and understand more because I would say there's a generation that is all about the hustle and it's all about the grind, grind, grind. And we've yeah. lost this, this basically this kind of take a step back. There's a human element to some of this stuff. I think, you know, maybe in society things have changed a little bit where sometimes we forget it. There's people that definitely want to remind us of that. And I think it's great that you brought it up, but there's, there's human elements behind all the stuff that's going on. I feel like, typically whether whatever videos that you and i can grind out and put out sometimes we're more hyped about some more than others depending on how we feel that day but i think what's interesting is that typically when you say what do people remember uh they don't remember the iphone review they i did they remember the stupid wacky skit i did that lasted 10 seconds or, or that music, music video, video that you shot or yeah. music video that i did because that they felt that right yes right? Yeah. so you can go get something for information you can go get something to make a human connection or an emotional connection. That emotional connection will always mean more than any review I did. And I always find that amazing that, you know, when I'm, if someone says hi to me, they don't go like, I really love that first look you did on the iPhone. They're going to be like, dude, <laughs> iPhone, 11, you know, uh, what is it? Um, oh, Old Town Road, your iPhone 11 music. That was crazy. Like, that's what they care yeah. about. And so yeah. those may not get you monetary value but those get value in a completely different way that is actually crucial for you to continue to be able to connect and build this thing, whatever it is. Yeah, and and spiritually, it's uplifting, you know? Like inside of you, it just feels great. I mean, I, I, I'm still figuring out what I'm doing with YouTube, you know? Like everybody <laughs> wants me to just post my old episodes and everybody, uh, everybody's got a different ask of it. Yes, and so yes, this yes. year, uh, I've done a couple of things. I restarted this, this podcast, which uh, it just felt appropriate. We're all stuck inside and and Zoom is our friend. Uh, the, <laughs> this is not paid for by Zoom, by the way. Uh, and um, uh, um, I also did this thing called side-scrolling superheroes, which is just all like, I, I have all of these classic games and I've thought, I, I've, well, one day we'll get back to them and I love superhero video games. And so I just did this whole thing on playing side-scrolling video games and talking about them. And it's so fun, you know? And it was really, it, it's all fun, but th like these just felt very personal to me, both of these new pieces of content that I've been putting out there. And it, you're right, man. Like it's so valuable to um, just build something that just feels like just a piece of you and put that yeah, out there. Absolutely. I mean, like you like you said, when, when, I, when I make those music videos and they take a lot of work, um, I feel like I'm in high school again, basically goofing around, yeah. trying a computer, just trying to come up with something stupid and quirky. And when you put it out there, you're just like, damn, that was awesome. I don't even care about the views. I go like, hey, yeah. if I like my music videos, I'm like, if I can get 
this many X of views, which is significantly lower than any video I put out. I'm like, okay, at least it did. At least I'll be happy. And you know, it typically does a little better, but it doesn't blow things out of the water, but I don't care. Like, yeah. I'm like, damn, that that's how I keep my sanity doing this 24 seven, you know, throughout the year. How much has this year changed for you? Like, uh, were you going to all kinds of events and things? Were you, you know, hustling all around the Bay Area? Because you're, you're based in San Francisco, right? So I was based in San Francisco, but I actually moved to LA two, three years ago. Oh, okay. Okay. So, so I moved to LA three years ago <clears throat> because my girlfriend's down here. We had been long distance for a long time. Basically, mm. there's a point in time where you can't do long distance anymore. So for all you long oh. distance lovers out there, it's, it's awesome. It's also really difficult. You better figure out eventually you're going to need to end up in the same place if it's going to work. You can yeah. only do it for so long. So, you know, I came to LA here. I was still able to work for the other company for a while, but then I think part of the part of it being distant from the operations, they're like, uh, maybe they didn't want to do it. That's fine. Because, because once I went independent, I actually unintentionally set myself up to be prepared for this, uh, current coronavirus situation. Like I feel extremely lucky and fortunate that I can do my work from arguably a single room, maybe another yeah. room if I have to, to shoot some B-roll, you know, not, not everyone can say that. So I feel really lucky. That's why I, I, just, I just don't take any of this stuff for granted. Right. I just, you yeah. just can't, but um, for me, it hasn't really changed much. It, it's in a weird way kind of made me more productive because there's nothing else to do. You right. Know, in, in LA. I, I, have you also oh, discovered this too? Cause I have this year is uh um, cause it was weird at, at first, right? Because you, there was, a, I, I don't know if you felt this, but a little bit of guilt that you get to just do what you do like and that, yeah. yeah. And you're just like, well, the, the world's on fire, but I'm okay. I'm making, I'm playing video <laughs> games and talking about, you know, I'm looking at tech and I felt that and, and it was strange at first, but then you hear the, the feedback that people are looking forward to escaping you know, they might have a frontline job or they might have to go to, a, you know, a physical place and everybody's filled with anxiety and then they can come back and watch your content. And have you gotten feedback like that? Yeah, you know, it's crazy because it makes me happy to when people tell me that. And I, I think what's also partially like in my videos, like even if I'm talking about tech, let's say sometimes if, if it calls for it. I don't do it in the beginning of my video, but at the end of my video, I'll just like completely break off. And, you know, I talked about Kobe Bryant. I talked about Chadwick Boseman. I talked about coronavirus. Yeah. But just to acknowledge the audience that I'm feeling what they're feeling and not to ignore, because there's plenty of people that it's safe. It is so safe to just cover this lane of what you do and not mm -hmm. talk about any issues oh, outside of it that people are worried yeah. about or affected by. It drives me crazy. And, and you might turn off some people but I think that's, we're supposed to have honest conversations that everyone doesn't agree with, right? So when I do those things and some people get mad about it, the stick to tech thing, I don't care because I know that affected, it, it helped me and I'm hoping that it helps someone else. So, you know, maybe sometimes like you get, you get triggered by something you see on Twitter and you put it out there because you're like, no, this is not right. And Twitter's beautiful because it goes away really fast. So people can choose yeah. to listen to it or not. When it's a yeah. video, people kind of feel a little more strongly about it, but I've just never, I've always just hoped that my audience just gets the perspective that I'm coming from, from a grateful, thankful perspective and more being an open mind to open dialogue about anything. Um, and because of that, they're willing to maybe be like, okay, Brian's going to go off a little bit, but at the end of the day, I know that he's doing it because he cares instead of sometimes people do it for different motives. Yeah, I don't, I just feel like we've got it. We've got this 
we've got to respect people, respect each other and just bring more humanity instead of man talking about an iPhone and being able to buy it today. That is a first world luxury problem. Totally. Right now. Yeah. And there's or the new game consoles. One hundred percent. Yeah. There's people that act like nothing's happened or changed. So their audience, there's there's audience members that we have that don't have jobs right now. Right. I know. So we can't, we've got to factor that in at least a little bit and consider, even if you put in a sentence about, I understand like this is a little crazy right now, or that this pricing is not going to be, this is like the fact that we're talking about this, this phone is not going to be as easily to purchase that it used to be because things have changed. Like you got to acknowledge it in just even one small way. I mean, even the fact that all of the marketing around, let's talk about the, the iPhones, like even the, the marketing around them, it's amazing. It's beautiful, but it just feels so, you know, massively artificial in this era, this year, mm-hmm. you know, like mm-hmm. about everybody getting together and taking photographs. And I mean, it, <laughs> I, I want to do that. I want to live in that reality, but you know, at least they have a lot of shots where there's nobody in the frame and it's just mm-hmm. a person, you know, surrounded by horses or something like that out, out in nature. It's beautiful, but uh, it does feel so, you know, opposite to where we are right now, you know, like I feel um, not only financially and, and the issues that a lot of people are dealing with, but also uh, practically, you know, especially as we're about to enter into this new fall second wave and everybody, and I don't want to get, you know, this to be a big bummer for everybody, but but we all know it's all, it's, it's around us everywhere right now. So Mm -hmm. um, it seems a little weird to be marketing things that are about, and it, it heavily about cameras right now, right? I mean, it's and what are you going to be taking pictures of? Um, <laughs> hey, we get, we take pictures of the basement. We can do low light pictures in this basement. <laughs> There'll be a we lot got of all that. Types of things we could do. The cameras, though, and the, they're they're almost Apple cameras at this point. You know, with some mm-hmm. communication functionality, they're so powerful. Like, and I'm still. I'm still, you know, grappling. I have the iPhone um, 11 Pro Max from last year, and we've used that on shoot. It's an incredible device, and I'm still figuring out what this can do, and it's just been crushed by uh, the 12 Pro Max. There's a lot, though. I watched your iPhone uh, camera breakdown video, and it was excellent, and it was very descriptive, and it it took us into it. But how, how can you... Can you quickly and easily break down the differences between all four of these different iPhones that are, are launching? I mean, for your audience, I'll do my best to kind of do it really quickly. And I think yeah. I think I can off the top of my head because I've been looking at that thing so long. I mean, it quite honestly took a long time to organize and make sense of it because Apple didn't yeah. make sense of it at all. No, I so, know. So okay, let's let's start. Let's start. I'll I'll try and do this in let's say two minutes, okay? Okay. <laughs> but this will hopefully <laughs> help the audience. All right. So we have four iPhone models. The good thing is that they're wide. So there's three, there's either a dual lens camera on the 12 mini and 12 and a triple lens camera on the 12 pro and 12 pro max. Now the good news is that of those potential three cameras, the wide camera, which is basically the first camera that shows up when you open up your phone, kind of that general camera, that's exactly the same on all four phones. Mm. The other camera that's exactly the same on all four phones is the ultra wide. So that's that zoomed out that gives you those great kind of epic looking shots, that perspective shot. That's also exactly the same. on Oh, all so four the, they didn't have the ultra wide on the 11s last year, right? Or did they? They do. They do. It's it's one of these three. I don't know which one. Yeah, it's but one the, did the, did the oh, base the 11, ele- uh, well, on the 11 Pro they do. 
Yes. Yeah, but not the 11s, though. Yeah, uh, correct. Not the 11. So this is the first year that the base iPhone, because that ultra wide is mint. It's awesome. I use it all the time on the uh, Pro Max. So now every iPhone in this year has the ultra wide built in. That is pretty great. That's great. So then the difference between the mini and the mini, sorry, the mini mini, 12 mini and 12 Mm -hmm. is that they don't have the telephoto zoom and lens that gives you kind of a little more flexibility okay right yeah so that's so that's that's kind of like what people that's pretty amazing that that for the 12 to be that close to the because that telephoto i don't use it that much you know i use it but i don't use it that much i'm usually in the midpoint or the wide Mm -hmm. so apple's made the right choice there and i think anybody that gets the mini or the regular 12 they're in they're in for some like major camera upgrades even better Vic, is that, you know, whether you care about it or not, Dolby Vision, HDR, this basically makes the colors pop better. It gives you truer blacks. This is going to make your video look better no matter what, whether you care or not. It's never been on a phone yet, but Dolby Vision, HDR. So just think of it as like a an ultra enhancement to your 4K video. So quite honestly, it looked all the major studio movies that you see that you buy digitally or you buy yeah. on Blu-ray, which I still do because I'm a freaking video file. When I want a great Marvel DC movie, I buy the disc so I get the best yep. visuals. That's all Dolby Vision. So all four cameras shoot in Dolby Vision HDR 4K video. All four. That's that amazing. is amazing. Yeah. Now the wow. only difference, the only difference between the 12 Mini and the 12, and the two Pros, is that Dolby Vision HDR on the I'll call them the entry models, shoots at maximum 30 frames per second, which is fine, which is normal. Yeah. Yeah. The higher end models shoot at 60 frames per second, up to 60 frames per second for Dolby Vision HDR. So you could take the 12 mini, the mini. and shoot at, at 24 frames per second with Dolby Vision HD. You could shoot a movie on the mini, is what you're telling and it me. Would, and, it, and it will look just like a Pro Max. Incredible. So that, now that's there are, insane. So that's really, I'm, you know, I'm not going to get into any more super specific. That's the kind of at least over the top breakdown. The other small caveat here that Apple didn't really explain, and we don't know what what the results are, is that the 12 Pro Max, the largest phone, 6.7 inches, and the 12 Pro, the 12 Pro Max has an actually slightly better camera. Um, why at least of oh, the wide lens is slightly better on the 12 Pro Max than it is on the 12 Pro. Now I did mention mm. how all these cameras have like the same wide wide camera, but specifically with the 12 Pro Max, they all have optical image stabilization, but this one specifically has like a system where the sensor in the camera is kind of like on a rocker. So it has a, oh, wow. it physically stabilizes in the camera versus Amazing. most of the time the stabilization is done on the lens. So the actual sensor, right, right. that's only in the 12 Pro Max. The actual physical so and, and that's on the, the ultra wide angle. So if you're doing like, or is that all across all it's the a, cameras? It's supposed to be it. From what we know, it's only on the wide camera. On the wide. Oh, the, yeah, the that main ultra, one. That, that special specific uh, hardware. It's called like shift sensor. That's only on the 12 Pro Max. The other wow, benefits okay. is that its actual sensor is 47% larger and all that really means for geeks or nerds or people that care not, it's gonna be able to bring in more light into your image. So technically, we don't know this yet though, the 12 Pro Max should be better 
at low light imagery right. should be slightly better but well, i think these are so good i think it's gonna be really hard to tell quite honestly right because there's I, all I the computational that. photography and yeah, and, and they're probably building in in the software to not have that much disparity between the models mm -hmm. because they don't want that to be the story either, right? They don't yeah. want people to feel if they pay for the 12 Pro that they, they get burned that they didn't get the 12 Pro Max. Right? I mean, I, that's what I'm hoping because I'm not a big screen phone guy. Like I, I said in my video, I didn't think it was fair. I don't like the fact that if you're calling a camera a Pro line that you're now giving one Pro a different camera than another Pro. True. Yeah. Even if it's weird. a max that's size, a bad I don't apple. care. That, oh, that's a bad apple. <laughs> so, um, that, so those are the main differences. One small tweak that I did forget to mention is in the triple lens camera systems of the 12 Pro and 12 Pro Max, they have the LiDAR sensor. This actually isn't going to be that, that big of a deal, but it's, think of it as it's a, it's a sensor that allows, shoots like little beams of light and can create like a physical representation for augmented reality of the world. Where it can be interesting though for photography is that it's supposed to help in detecting a, a, a person for better low light portrait mode shots. These are those I, I, Honestly, I think that's shots. huge, man. I yeah, think I that's think, cool. I think, it, I think that makes a difference. Yeah, so we'll see. I, yeah, I'm psyched about that, but I'm also incredibly psyched about um, AR gaming on uh, mm, the yes, 12 Pro yes, yes. and the 12 Pro Max. Because uh, we haven't really, I mean, we've seen some cool toys and some cool stuff, but we haven't really seen where this can go. Uh, Nintendo's got this new Mario Kart Live with the uh, the AR Mario Kart with the with the physical toy, yeah, which is yeah, so cool, yeah. right? And you can just feel like, um, uh, you know, a drone version of that with LiDAR. I don't know. Like, there's just a lot that Apple can now do. Um, I want to talk a little bit about gaming and Apple because every time they have one of these events, they bring somebody up and obviously the League of Legends mm -hmm. uh, online game is going to be huge, huge for them. It's not my thing. I'm not a big league player. <laughs> I don't really play free-to-play stuff, but uh, it will likely be a massive thing. But Apple Arcade launched last year. Have you dug around in, in that catalog? And how do you feel about Apple and their commitment to, to video games right now? So it's interesting because, you know, I did a full-on review of Apple Arcade and I actually, for what it is and what they're trying to do, I think it's actually really good. You know, the, yeah. the qual, because ultimately I feel like this was a way for Apple to A, make some money, B, showcase developers that maybe would get buried in the app store, but three, above all things, stop all these ads from overtaking the actual games that we're playing constantly with pop-up ads and, you know, yeah. buy more coins. Like there's there's an element of that, that people have been used to that. But damn, how nice it is when you don't get a single one of those during any moment of gameplay. It keeps you in yeah. the game. It really yeah. does. So I think the developer, you know, the first wave, um, oh my gosh, why am I so dumb? It's the game where it's like kind of the galaxy space aesthetic. You're on a skateboard with the girl. What is the name of that game? I can't remember. Oh, that's... Um, I'm not uh, trying to test you. Uh, no, that's... Uh, uh, oh my God, it's on the top of my tongue. But I... I it's off my head. I can't. Oh, Sayonara Wild Hearts. Thank you. I was I was like yeah. Sayonara something, but I couldn't. Yeah. Okay, thank you. Yeah. So that game, I would arguably maybe get buried in the App Store, honestly, because on Surface, you look at it and you're like, oh, this is kind of like a skateboarding game. I mean, you know, like a, a cool visual thing. But that thing was a trip. That yeah. was a game that I was like, all right, this is a special game. And they had enough, at least on launch. I didn't expect them to have big blockbuster games. I thought that 
they were they came out with good enough games that were compelling enough if i was a if i had a family yeah we could all share these games together that makes sense it doesn't make sense for my, all things my my daughter has put in over 100 hours on sneaky you. sasquatch you know so there like, you go right to our point yeah. right yeah that so that's so, so again i think what they were trying to do and who they're trying to cater to or who they're making this kind of service for i don't think it's for everyone if i had more time to game because now as a creator i just don't have as much time i i hop on play a little mortal Kombat for 15 minutes you know yeah. then i'm out right that's how yeah. i play now these days yeah. um you should review I, video I, games i mean i could <laughs> that's that's how but, i have time to play <laughs> 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 I know I have so much, there's so many things that I review that it, it can be hard but I think I, I actually really like Apple Arcade I know some people aren't too high on it I think it just comes down to where you are in your life honestly I don't know why you know I, I feel uh, I love it I think it is um, a great first step from Apple uh, honestly I think they were probably kind of backed into a corner because they probably had enough pissed off game makers out there that weren't making anything they were making excellent things and mm -hmm. there were probably relationships between Apple and these devs and they were like oh, we're sorry these these BS match threes keep making all the dough I, nothing makes me sadder than get, being up well I, we haven't been on a plane in a long time but being on a plane and walking down the aisle and all of these people are like addicted to their stupid match threes on their on their phones and it's like have you guys ever heard of the switch you know if you spent five bucks a month you could be playing apple arcade games there's there's tons of wicked games there you know and mm -hmm. and uh people are just lost in this mindless thing and and i i i i want to see us get to a point where we're we're not angered by the games we're addicted to you know mm. like I, I feel like we've crossed into a threshold because of all this ad all of these ads and and uh microtransactions and stuff there's a lot you know games i think have reached a really incredible amount of people but then i think there's a lot of people that play them and then they they have almost reverted back to that same you know disgust about games that mm. they used to have by people that didn't play them you know and now there's addicted people to games that have been addicted to the wrong games and uh they've all been you know these these cheesy nickel and dime type of experiences so i, I feel like this is the right course of action but now it's up to apple to you know make the right partnership choices and keep adding really cool content so I have a question for you. It's really interesting to hear your perspective on that because obviously, you know, I love games. You love games, but you've covered them intimately for yep. what, how many, 20 plus? I don't know, 15, at least 15 years or so, right? 20, I don't know. 25 years. 25, yeah. okay, see, dizam. All right, so, <laughs> the, you know, your perspective is interesting and actually really valuable and kind of like how when you've been in the quote unquote, as I say, we've been around for a long time, it, it offers trenches. some insights, right? And yeah. so from what I'm kind of hearing from you is that, Look, gaming is gaming. We all love gaming. But when you start getting that bottom of the barrel gaming, it cheapens what gaming is. And I'm not yes. saying everything has to be a triple A title, but are are you kind of alluding to or saying that, you know, whether it's through curation, whether this Apple Arcade thing needed to happen, we need to kind of raise the quality, knowing that they're always those things are gonna be there. You can't you can't ignore it, like they're not going away. I, I think they would bring back go a away. different level of gaming. Yeah, no, and I think that they would go away. I think that the bottom of the barrel can shift, you know, this mm -hmm. this microtransaction hell that we have uh, just 
kind of uh, put up with since the iPhone and and Android kind of made that our reality and it and it filtered from the phone market into the console market and all that. Mm. It's junk, it's garbage. And if you look at classic games, you see that right away. Now, I'm not su- suggesting that the money made from these games is garbage and it hasn't been put to good use because clearly a lot of these companies have made tons and tons of money and then they've reinvested them in other entertainment. But we've crossed over into a threshold where companies like uh, um, uh, Toys for Bob makes Crash Bandicoot 4 and one of the things that they highlight in their video is there are no microtransactions. Mm-hmm. You know, Star Wars Squadrons comes out on the face of the, uh, uh, y- you know, the, the crash and burn of Star Wars Battlefront 2, although mm-hmm. it that eventually made its way back, but there was a lot of fan uproar about all the microtransactional yep. elements and that Squadrons does away with all that. So we have crossed over. There are uh, you know, legal uh, procedures happening in different territories around the world about um, pay-to-win scenarios and, and uh, loot boxes and things like that. So there's an awareness of it. Uh, I think Apple Arcade is a, somewhat of an answer to it. I think we can shift our focus to more subscription-based gaming. I think Game Pass is a step in that road, the Xbox Game Pass. I think PlayStation Now is going to become an increasingly important element of what PlayStation is going to provide. And so we will still have games that are, um, and I, I don't think any, even these people that are like coming up with these addictive microtransaction based, ad based games, they're trying to make an awful game. They're, they're trying to make a compelling enough game that people will stay with it so mm-hmm, that they can make mm-hmm. billions of dollars. Mm-hmm. But that's a new thing in video games. What's, what's not new is how to make digital entertainment that, that really connects with people. And I think what we've got to do is shift um, our focus to, uh, you know, more Netflix and, and Disney Plus type scenarios where there, there's a real value proposition on that subscription. And uh, and you're going to get a, a huge chunk of, of software. Not all of it's going to be great, but at least it won't be also gouging you. And so there will still be a bottom of the barrel, although no one's going to like try to be the bottom of the barrel there just will be uh, but i think I there's think some the, people that try vic you, there's some people that try to be that they don't even care there's no shame i give them the there benefit no of the doubt okay 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 okay, okay. Uh, but I, I think what the the focus will be will be less on um you, you know sort of you know minute by minute purchases within these interactive experiences and that will be gauged around time so the the pot will grow because more subscribers will come on board. And I don't know who it is, who's gonna be the king of the heap here. I don't know if it's gonna be Game Pass. I don't know if it's gonna be Mm -hmm. uh, Apple Arcade, but the pot will grow just like Netflix. And Netflix will probably pay, uh, you know, movie studios a certain amount of money to get some exclusive stuff, but they also probably pay a lot of deals based on minutes consumed and minutes watched, you know, or maybe there's residuals based on that. And I think the gaming industry is gonna be a lot more about that. And so, Suddenly, the gaming content will be about um, finding ways to keep people compelled to stay, but not based on spending to stay, mm-hmm. just by content to stay. And that's going to be a healthier direction for the business. Because I think what's happening now is 
And I, I know what's happening now. I think we have a lot of customers in video games that get right turned off on the whole medium because they get addicted to something and they spend a thousand dollars on on something that just makes them angry, and then they have to go to rehab and they never play games again. You know, and we don't I want mean, that I, for I video have, games. I know, I know people like I literally know people like that that had to just get off video games because it was too addicting. Yeah, yeah. Whatever, you know, and that that's par- partially like you know maybe the makeup of a person, but also, you know, game makers know what levers to pull to make they these sure things addicting as just do app, like just regular apps do. Um, you know, they know what they're doing. Even, I don't know if you've seen this yet, but uh, on Netflix, there's a documentary. I haven't even seen the whole thing, but I saw it halfway. And I'm like, I was just nodding my head the whole time. It's called social dilemma. I where, keep hearing about it. Right. Where they're, they yeah. basically, you know, obviously they, when you're building a new platform, whether it's a game or an app or a social media network, you're trying to keep people on the screen as long as possible in yeah. your world. So what does that mean? How are you going to approach that? You're trying to make it as addictive as possible without realizing the repercussions that it's going to have, right? Because you're just right. thinking, I want my app to be the best. I want someone to never leave my app, right? Right, well, right. There's, there's a cost associated with that. So I think, you know, we need to start gauging on, uh, that's an excellent point, Brian. Like we as game critics and reviewers, we need to put that into the discussion Mm -hmm. around this, you know, are the hooks in this thing so that you are never going to want to leave? Because I don't think that's a healthy place, you know, and especially Mm -hmm. if every company is trying to make that game, the always look at, look at what the Avengers are struggling with right now, you know? They're struggling with it. And the reputation is that I saw some reviewer that said they put 130 hours into the game and they were wondering. Just a grind, just a grind, right? Yeah. And they were saying it's not worth the 60 bucks. And I was like, well, you you spent 130 hours in the damn game. <laughs> like, you know, it's interesting. It's interesting you bring up Avengers, though, because I bought that. I haven't had as much. So me and my buddies were all like, we're going to, we're going to get into this game together. Right. Yeah. And again, sometimes like it's hard because when you're a gamer, there's kind of this prime age where you have a lot of time in the world to play video games. And then as you get sure. older, you don't have as much time to play all the games in the world that you want. It's just life. But yep. you know, two of my buddies, they ended up recently getting houses. And so we haven't been able to play as much, but what happened is during the beta, we were pretty freak. Like we set out a week of our life and basically played every night non-stop knowing and we we're like oh my god and so then i was like okay i gotta take a step back i gotta do work i mean i when i put out a video it literally feeds me right yeah and so i have that thing to stop me from getting hooked into the game now if i'm 21 year old brian who's not working yet or so you know it's a summer yeah i'm probably getting addicted to that game pretty damn hard right yeah and, you know, and that's like you grew up in this era and I did too, where there were addictive games, but there were new ones coming out all the time. Mm. And you wanted to kind of try a lot of stuff, you know, finish and the I game feel to like get to the next one. Yeah. And now it's there. There's a lot of games that, that they don't want you to ever finish. They want you to stay there forever and ever and ever. And I, I still subscribe to the philosophy that that's not really healthy. It's not healthy for the individual. It's not healthy for the video game industry, you know? And I, I feel like there's, you know, there should be a little bit more emphasis on reporting on games that aren't massive. I just saw Cliff Blazinski tweet about um, The Tourist, which was an indie game that hit the Switch last year from Shinnin. It's on Xbox Game Pass right now. It's a wonderful mm-hmm. game. I think it was my favorite indie game of, of last year. And it was a nice, tight little... Yeah, it's really a trippy, cool, voxel-based uh, adventure game. Um, and there's lots of games like that. And, uh, you know, and 
I think what's going to happen and what's already happening with Game Pass and I think is starting to happen a little bit with Apple Arcade is people are trying a lot more stuff than they would normally if they walked into a game store or if, God forbid, they tried to actually find something on the App, app Store or the Google Play Store. <laughs> those things are, those things are unbelievable. They are a mess. Too much, it's too totally much crazy. Too much stuff. Yeah. Um, so Apple, uh, Apple is all system on a chip now. They are, uh, they are completely shifting. Um, crazy year, but a good year for Apple, an exciting year for Apple. What's your, what's your take on all this? Quite honestly, I think it's a great year for Apple. I think that, um, you know, for me, covering them for a while, <clears throat> there was like a pocket of maybe three or four years. It, it was typically, I think, around kind of the iPhone six, six S, seven and then eight when those models were coming out where mm -hmm. Apple just wasn't doing anything very special or interesting. And at the time that was kind of like almost peak where peak time around the four, five, six, seven, where people were buying iPhones like wild. And I think they got really comfortable because as an Apple user who was used to them, I'm not saying you have to be the greatest innovator and come out with an iPhone every year because you're not. But within what they were doing, there was very little going on, not only in phones and laptops in tablets they were just kind of resting on their laurels and then thank goodness the apple watch came around you're like even though it wasn't that good at first it started to show me like okay they're really trying to do something different year three they finally hit their stride i think the past two years apple's kind of corrected some of the things that people who have been following them for a while cared about for example the mac pro who didn't see an upgrade for like i can't remember if it was four or five years they finally put out a new mac pro even if that wasn't the most popular selling machine they were going to have, it made the people that statement. actually drove their company. Yes, it's a statement piece. It is one of the most powerful creative, I say this, you know, creative desktop PCs out there for for, create, for video production. Mm -hmm. And they put their flag in the ground and said, we're going to be back here because they weren't for four or five years. You know, it's things like, sorry, their god awful butterfly keyboard, which I complained about on day one. And people are like, you're crazy. I'm like, this does not feel as good. But when people are drinking the Kool-Aid and when people are getting review units from Apple, they're not going to say that. Yeah. All of a sudden, three years later, everyone's like, I hate this keyboard. I'm like, yeah, what, what have I been telling you? So guess what? It took them a while, but Apple then finally basically brought back a, a more improved version of this keyboard with, with more bounce. All of a sudden, everyone's saying, I love the Apple keyboard. And it's like, <laughs> they didn't have to do this. But hey, market the marketing machine of apple is real you know right? they yeah, can do something yeah. that a company's had for two or three years all of a sudden apple does it because their audience the general audience that follows apple is not in this minutia of android and apple they're just like give me a device that's reliable apple says new keyboard everyone freaks out yeah everyone freaks out so i feel like you know they did this they started in the past two years clearly paying attention to what people were complaining about for three or four years I think they're really on the right track. Now you start seeing the seeds of what the iPhone planted with their A-series processor. Now we've known for years that in benchmark tests, but these are always benchmarks can mean so many things, but at least let's say raw benchmark tests that their chips were getting faster than a lot of entry-level laptops. Even uh, some of their processors in the iPhone were matching like an entry-level MacBook, but they weren't really talking about this a lot. So there's all this buzz about when will Apple start making their own silicon? When will Apple make their A-series laptop. So now we're here. This year, we expect to see them announce a laptop with their own custom design chip. Now, what is amazing about this, and people don't think about this as much. Okay, we talked about the iPhone earlier, Dolby Vision HDR content on a phone. 
that the only reason why that happens is because that A14 chip in there is such a freaking yes. beast, right? That it They're can drive up, that. You can edit gonna that. Up, you can, up, upheaval the whole production universe now. They're going to have a, exactly. a a laptop that's going to be able to to cut HDR content. Dolby you Vision can't, HDR content on a laptop. You can't do that anywhere right now in no. the world on nope. on nothing. That's nope. crazy. And, yeah. And you know, for sure. A professional wow. that has all these calibration tools is going to be able to tweak a specific look that they want, right? No matter what, when you get to the super high end level, um, you, you are going to spend have, to get there. You yeah. can spend to get there, right? Yeah. But for a consumer or a prosumer or a, quite honestly, a creator like myself, right? To have these tools, whether you whether you care about these tools or not, you just know you're getting the best freaking camera that you can to capture Dolby Vision on uh, on a phone and then edit it on your phone and then play it on an Apple TV 4K on a Dolby Vision TV if you happen to have that chain. But the fact that that exists is because of that A14 chip. So now we're going to say, okay, Apple, wow. put it in your laptop. Not only are you going to get all that raw power benefit from it, but you're gonna, it's going to be a lot more optimal when we're talking about battery consumption because totally. this is not like a huge fat chip inside there. They're like at a five nanometer chip. It's, it's going to be a lot more energy efficient. So maybe mm. we see a laptop that doesn't last 10 hours but a laptop that for Apple at least lasts 20 hours. Wow. That you, you, you changes put that everything again. That's a game changer yeah. right there. So yeah. Yeah. this is why I'm extremely excited about the other thing. I'm sorry. I'm nerding out about this right now. No, this is why we're here, man. This is it. <laughs> There's one more aspect about this. That is really interesting. Okay. So imagine for all these years, Apple had to rely on Intel to deliver them their processors. They had to be on Intel's timeline. They had to basically deal with Intel delays. Some of their hardware just didn't come out because the processors that they were promised at the factory level didn't get to them in time. So look at what happened with how amazing the iPhone, this is a supercomputer in our pocket, yeah. has evolved because Apple's literally been able to control arguably, let's say 70% of everything, but yeah, all the core stuff, everything. right? 80%, right? Yeah. The core stuff they could control. The integration, that they have here with components and software. The iPhone is kind of, iPhone and iPad are a demonstration of what happens when Apple has their hands in literally everything. So now let's take this to the laptop, okay? We're gonna start seeing a lot of cross play between this device even closer than we ever had with a laptop because they're based on the same processor. Right. There's gonna be things that we never even thought about that I can't even think about. I mean, are why are we even going in that direction if the iPhone is that powerful at this point anyways? Samsung had the uh, hook up your phone to a monitor and a keyboard and it became a computer. Why, why doesn't, um, maybe they will do that. Maybe the iPhone will be at par with whatever new chip that they create for a computer and it will, Look, it will be the same same. If Apple does what Samsung did with DeX, Apple users, which there are a lot of, are going to get really excited and it's going to feel like I've never done this before. It is, <laughs> it is absurd. Which is par for the course. It, <laughs> it is absurd. Samsung is doing, quite honestly, Samsung is, Samsung and OnePlus, two of the most, and I mean, Google in other ways, but Samsung and OnePlus, two of the most innovative phone companies. They, they throw spaghetti on the wall. They see what sticks. But yeah. because they do that, the Fold 2 is my favorite device of the year. People That's might awesome. think it's quirky, but when you use it, it changes your brain about how you think about a device. You actually have to use it differently because the first week I used it, I was like, why do I need this? And then I started saying, okay, I'm going to use this in a different way. And I'm like, 
oh, this this device is amazing. Now again, not everyone can afford it. It's two thousand bucks. Yeah, I know. But the fact that it exists and the form factor and what it can be in the future, you see it. And that's because Samsung has been like, uh, 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 like let's try this, let's try that. Where Apple's like, we have the power of the ecosystem. We know our users aren't going to leave us. We're going to hook you into the ecosystem even more. That means you might get something two or three years later after Samsung. You're still going to get it, but we're going to still give you a reliable phone that you really love. Right. Apple, right. Samsung doesn't have that ecosystem luxury where people are going to stay with Samsung no matter what. They can go to any Android phone and pretty much do the same things because of how Android is. Apple's really lucky they have the ecosystem, but it affords them time to do things that no other company can. Some Someone told me about, do you think that Apple coming out with, I can't even remember what it was, but why does it seem that Apple already um, always hits the right, it always has perfect timing for, for products? And I'm like, it's not that they have perfect timing, it's that they have the ecosystem which drives the fact that they can create this moment that now everyone sees it, now everyone uses it, and that creates the perfect timing. You know? Yeah. That, it's that like machine, the, the fit. that machine. Yeah, the it's wave, the, it's right? like, yeah, it's the it's that little extra gadget that you didn't know you needed, like these. We both have them in right now. You didn't know you need them. You're very skeptical. I remember seeing uh, AirPods on uh, people's ears on planes coming oh, from San still, Francisco. They're still to, ugly to me, but <laughs> yeah, but it was just but it was really ugly when it was only one dude who probably worked at Apple. And you're like, what? The, that's so weird. Where's the why? It's just and now we all have them. We all walk around with them. What is? Uh, I have two questions for you. What is? What's next? from Apple that will shock us all in your estimation and what from science fiction in terms of mm. communication um, have you looked to as the you, you know the eventual hopeful future for us wow these are you're really making me think now Vic um, okay so let's start <laughs> off what what in my mind is next for the future of Apple so people have asked me this and sometimes it changes but I think in the actual immediate, so everyone's talking about Apple Glass, right? Yeah. Ver yeah. Augmented reality glasses. We're still a ways away for people to even be comfortable with the idea of augmented reality. It had a really high moment with Pokemon Go. I think that really displayed or explained to your general consumer, like my mom, what yeah. augmented reality is, right? Now, has that translated to other things? Not as much. I mean, you know, you have Oculus with VR and I love the product, but it's still, you know, from a mass adoption rate, people still aren't there with the idea of wearing that. But you and I are, we're like, this is, yeah. but even this, at that, I only, yeah, right. This might change everything though. Yeah. The two, the two. Yeah. Yeah. This yeah. Might change. Absolutely. It's, Absolutely. It's pretty damn incredible. It's, it's, it's change. It's, that's one of those pieces where it's a transitional thing. That's kind of creating more of a wave now. Right. Like yeah. that, that specific product, right. Price point features, um, yep. not intimidating it anymore. People are a little more comfortable with the idea of it. Gamers for sure. Right. That yep. that's kind of like, and maybe it's, this is the transitional piece. And then the three is really the big one, you know, but I do yeah. agree with you that with that. Um, so I'm not, I don't actually think Apple glass is kind of the next thing to me. It's still, it's all about the Apple watch. You know, I think mm. that there will be a point in time where we won't, th these are cameras to your point, but if you can put, 90% of this on this and you want to, and I love, I bought the cellular version specifically because there are times where I got, I even, you know, I'm so around this tech stuff so much. I want to be disconnected from it, but still kind of connected so that yeah. it serves me well. But this, this thing here, what Apple's done with the Apple watch. I mean, it's one of my favorite devices of all time, but I still think it has a whole, 
a long, long ways to go to even be better. And yeah. so we're talking about miniaturizing things, not holding a, a big old thing in our pocket. I think this is this is going to be obviously probably one of their most important kind of new things in the next three to five years. It's not going to replace the iPhone, but it's it's where all the action and activity but it, is from a standpoint. It of could though that I could. I think I think that's what they want to get to with the watch probably internally, and they probably struggle with that. Is that people could leave their house without their phone if they want to flip that switch? I can right now. Yeah. I literally yeah, which is right now. which is kind of crazy, right? Um, you know, and do you do you Dick Tracy? No, I guess you got these in, so it's no, the no. Same. I so here's the crazy thing, you know. I mean, I don't know how much you use it for calls or not. Yeah, I'll I'll take calls on this thing, and I won't even tell them I'm on a watch, and they'll never say anything. That's awesome. then when I tell them they're on I'm on a watch, they're like, wait, and I'm not going like this. I'm just like literally like here, maybe here, right? Because I'm you. You can even drive in a car and just be doing this, and wow. they won't even know you're on a phone. Like you know, once. You don't know I'm that like, because I, I don't have a cellular. I just ha I have the three, and that six looks pretty damn hot to me. I may upgrade yeah, as a three to a user. The six is a great. The as a I mean, quite honestly, the SE, the as a three user, the SE is really nice. They're they're yeah. both nice. I'm yeah. not saying don't get the six, but you probably don't need the six. I have a four still. I did not upgrade to the six. Yeah, I, yeah. My review is done. I just have to edit it, but there wasn't enough compelling me as a four user to go to a six yeah. still, and I'm just. It's, it's getting there but anyways that's one thing like the kind of we this this can be the phone it really can it this could there. be the uh the armband from mass effect or <laughs> or pip boy if apple really <laughs> wants to go that way we could do it but we got a ways you, you, to go. You know, you know how Apple is with working with others, right? They don't, yeah. they, they don't like to play. They don't play nice with others. <laughs> That's true. But so, someone, someone can do it and integrate it. Oh, I, I'd be all on board with that. Um, That'd be amazing, so, right? So that's one thing. Here's the here's the most unexpected thing that I bring up about Apple. I think right before our eyes, people aren't really thinking about it. Apple is becoming a major player in audio. Apple yeah. is becoming a because, yes. for example, AirPods. We see we've seen how that is transformed. Okay. Right. Now the HomePod. Not a successful commercial product, but the audio quality on the HomePod is freaking amazing. Um, I cool. I was not going to pay three forty nine for it. I wasn't going to pay two ninety nine for it, but it went on sale for one ninety nine. Best Buy does this once in a while, and I picked one up. And um, for the size and the sound, it it beats anything that. And I've listened to a lot of stuff. There's this weird thing that I call presence of just how it sounds. It's amazing sounding, and most people that have it will say that, but it doesn't do anything else, okay? So it's not yeah. worth it. Yeah, yeah. So what you have here is, the other thing that I recently started using is, um, you know, Apple's HomeKit, not very good, um, not compatible with many devices, but what they're starting to do is, because of that, there's a lot of TVs out there that can use AirPlay, right? You have Apple finally opened up the kimono and let people, LG, Sony, TC, Roku even coming up pretty soon with an update. Directly toss our content from here to a TV without an Apple TV, okay? So then my brain starts thinking they could, if they want to, they're not going to anytime soon, they, they could put out their own sound bar. The, home, the HomePod already connects to an Apple TV 4K over AirPlay to be a stereo, a home theater stereo. No one's really using it. But if Apple wanted to, because it's Apple, because they have the user base, because again, they have this huge ecosystem machine that follows them and does whatever they do, they put out a soundbar that they don't even need to release a TV like everyone was talking about five years ago. They don't even need to release an Apple TV 4K for someone to buy. That TV can already talk to AirPlay devices. 
they can just put out a ridiculously high quality sounding soundbar or um, speakers and they've got another player in the audio industry they're working on over the ear noise canceling headphones that are going to be a premium yeah. with yeah. all think of airpods pro all the tech here in an over-the-ear headphone but now these over-the-ear headphones are supposed to have tech where it doesn't matter if you put it on right side or left side it's going to detect it with the accelerometer you just pop them on that is such a subtle thing that with anyone who uses over-the-ear headphones sure. you yeah. always look at it that is a genius thing you got the fact that apple has in their ecosystem um, audio handoff. So when I wear AirPods, I can go from my phone. Uh, I can watch a movie on my iPod. I get a call on my phone. It switches to the audio of the phone. Come on, like <laughs> before, these are before we started. Before we started this Zoom thing, my daughter's watching a show on her iPad over there, and I, you know, I just I put these on, and I was listening to her thing. She's like, Dad, I want to mm-hmm. because it auto auto uh, handed off that thing. I was awesome. So this this is these are things that only they can do right now. That are yeah. just kind of laying in, you know, they're laying in the grass like like the lion, just kind of ready to ready to pounce, and they could unlock these things at any time. And so that's why. So I they're think taking Apple, over cameras. Like honestly, h- how long will it be until both you and I are doing everything on an iPhone for our our shows? You know, the thing is that we could do we could do it right now. Quite honestly, we could. Yeah, we yeah. could. We really could right now. You know, there's, I think there's always like a psychology of like. Without a doubt, you can do other things with a DSLR, but it takes a lot of time and tweaking and settings. And, yep. you know, that's not everyone wants to do that. If I'm the thing about that whole LiDAR, I know we're jumping around a lot of places, but when we talk about a camera, the thing that people aren't talking about with that LiDAR scanner in the 12 Pro and 12 Pro Max video Apple, bokeh. Video, video, like yeah. legit video bokeh. Samsung has video yeah. bokeh on it. It's all right. Yeah. But knowing how accurate that LiDAR scanner is, I know the A14 processor can handle it. This could literally, they won't do this just because they want to make more money, but the next one, they could flip a switch, do a software update and give us video bokeh at, in Dolby Vision, right. at a high quality. So I'm on a Panasonic GH5, which I love. Yeah, it's me been too. A, yeah. GH, I love, it's a great camera. I mean, they're workhorses and we've put them to, put them to work. They've been uh, in studios with us. They've been on doc shoots. They've been all everywhere, the E3, everything. And they've just handled everything like a dream. But uh, I'll, I'll drop it super fast if, if the iPhone has <laughs> so depth of field controls and, and all of this HDR and everything. And it's beautiful. And, and, and honestly, we can shoot 4K and because we're entering 4K too. That's the other thing, right? Like uh, in terms of, well, what you're doing and what I'm doing, but all the new consoles, everything is going to be so 4K centric. The, the camera I have right now is 4K, but it probably won't run as smoothly as it would you know, through a tethered chip family of Apple products, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah, very interesting. Yeah, and wonder if Apple's also working, you know, on codecs for YouTube and all the other things that uh, we're gonna need to share this content, this beautiful looking content that we're gonna be making pretty soon. Yeah, you know, I mean, Samsung and other, there's there's phones that can actually shoot 8K 24 frames per second right now, and it looks good but I know it can look better. That's the thing. Like, so when someone told me like, Hey, uh, Samsung has 8k 24 frames. Per second, I'm like, I know I've used it, but I'd take 4k Dolby vision HDR over an 8k 24 frames per second any day. Yeah. So, right. And how do you even see all of this material too? Right. That's the, yeah, you have to have, that's, that's the, the thing, thing you have to get it right. You have to have a T or, you know, you, you, you can enjoy them on it on the, some, some of these screens that can display it. Um, so, Okay, I, I kind of been going in tons of directions. You, I don't know about the whole future thing, the whole future yeah. 
Yeah, well, what sci-fi? What sci-fi? Like, there's the Star Trek communicators that I've talked about, Mass Effect, and is there something from you know you as a fan you've looked at and you went, "Oh my God, I hope we get that one day," or we probably will get that one day. This is easy. I've been asking for it for maybe two or three years. I want a Dick Tracy Apple Watch. I don't even care if you know. Look, people are like, "Oh, your arm's gonna get tired." It is, but who cares? It's a freaking Dick Tracy FaceTime video apple watch even if it's just like a 30 second moment you know why don't they do that they have they have the tech in here they do you can run the camera app on on the on on the watch you can look at you can run the camera app off your phone on the watch why don't they just put a little camera in there you know you know that they'll they can they can there's a there's a few kind of design concepts that have been out there that they've even literally been exploring this um but and people say that is dumb i'm like okay you think it's dumb but I guarantee you the first time you use it, you're going to freak out. And that's, that's part of it. I remember when Steve jobs demoed FaceTime on the iPhone, I think it was the iPhone 3g with Johnny Ive on stage for the first time. You, you would, some people would be like, eh, why? But then everyone freaked out about it because it looks so good. Right. If the fidelity looks so good, you won't care. Like, you know, you can put your wrist down here. It's just fun. Like, right. It's that stuff for the soul. We talked about this earlier content that makes us feel good. There. Dude, and you you license a Dick the Dick Tracy thing, and you have like a special Dick Tracy version of the Apple Watch. That'd be crazy, man. That would be, that would be so fun. with now Dick Tracy icons and everything. That'd now be hilarious. Language. So you know, the, it's all it's all there. Um, I do feel like when Steve Jobs was there, there was a little bit more soul to kind of some of their products and features. I'm not saying yeah. Tim Cook has done a different job. You're never going to replace Steve Jobs. Tim Cook, look. If there's anyone, if anyone told you uh, Steve Jobs is going to leave, and then you're going to be worth two trillion dollars in about ten years or so, someone would laugh. Tim Cook has done what no one could after Steve Jobs is still make shareholders more than happy to own Apple. So he deserves yeah. deserves a lot of credit for that, you know. Yeah, and, and Johnny taken, Ive is not there either, and Johnny that's huge. Yeah, yeah, and that was the DNA of the, the the old guard, quite honestly. Yeah, and so I think. Tim Cook's mind of being a supply chain guy. We've seen it in action where he's, we have four iPhones now instead of one, but they're making lots of money by doing that at different levels. It's a different philosophy. It's a different Apple, but you know, from a financial standpoint, they're, they're more successful than ever. And you can't, you cannot dispute that. So I think he's done a really good job with who he is as a person, right? We cannot compare, you can't compare you and me against each other. We are different people, but we can look at the results of what we've done and be like, that's awesome. I, you know what I also really, uh, you know, admire and respect about what what Apple's been doing. Like they've they've definitely pivoted this year with all of their uh, press reveals and all that, and kept them COVID safe and showed off their beautiful uh, headquarters. But I love that they're putting so many developers up there. You know, so many yes. people that definitely have to be scripted, and you, you know, it's it's not super comfortable. But I, I'm okay with that. You know, Me you too. know that they go to work every day, and those are the people, and they're letting the people talk about what they're focused on and i think that's really awesome you know i think i think I, it comes I, across yeah a lot more authentic. i love the Sorry. uh i think it's lisa jackson the uh, the woman that's in charge of all the uh, the ecological Envir- footprint yeah, environment stuff, environmental yeah. stuff yeah her voice is amazing I don't, I've, <laughs> I've noticed that in the two videos that i've seen her in but i i uh I, I don't know. I respect all that. It's it's way too polished and they're way too clenched because that's <laughs> Apple. But it's still it's cool that we get to see the faces behind all of these, you know, transformative different gadgets and things. And I think I think it's important, you know, probably COVID kind of helped initiate that. But I think we've seen a lot of even though it is super polished, 
we've seen a lot of cool nuggets. Like when you have the engineer talking about the A14 chip, I'm sorry, he's going to talk a lot about it a lot better than Phil Schiller would ever have talked yeah. about it. I'm sorry, yes. right? Nothing against yeah. Phil. But um, so there, there's a different authenticity. Even in the iPad Air 4 reveal, they had uh, one of the engineers and he just went into it. And I was watching like, this is the stuff I want to see more of. And it was totally. great. And he wasn't yeah. the most polished person, but he, you know, they know production. We know how production works. You can make yes. a lot of things look good in production, quite honestly. You can make yes. a lot of people look like stars. So, you know, with what they're doing and how they're scripting it or however they're structuring the script so that it, they can make them as comfortable as possible, it's working. It's totally working. Yeah, it's maybe not as um, uh, raw but polished as the live shows, you know, like mm -hmm. artificially raw the way that they do them when they're live and and because you can tell of all the manufacturing process behind the videos, but there is still something incredibly special about this. And I'm sure that they're going to go back to their live shows once they can. And so this will just be an era of Apple. And I think we'll probably look back at these, these uh, video reveals with some fondness. Cause I think they're doing oh, a pretty yeah. cool job there. Yeah. I, I thought when I saw the, and they've even gotten better, honestly, if you look at the first two, this one there, I mean, they were using more dynamic lighting. even the lighting just looked better. I was like, watching this thing i'm like they're getting better they're getting yeah. better at this and uh, flying point, into miniatures first, and the yeah, drone yeah, shots on, it's man. just wow man i mean and, they're hollywood and productions and their headquarters looks freaking amazing right they have yeah. unbelievable visuals to kind of support they put lisa on a rooftop yes where there are solar panels over this beautiful ring <laughs> and a green forest like no one's gonna do that. No one's they, gonna they, do that. You can't. They you gave her talk the Tom Cruise stunt m moment yeah. right there. It was yeah. awesome. It, it could have been a drone, man. It could have been a copter. We don't even know. But it was so. I mean, you're like in environment. Look, back in the day, they'd show like a little chart of like how they make these elements, totally. like you know, toxic yes. free, and you're in like a black room. Now you're in a freaking like you see green. Uh, it's killing yeah. me. But uh, I, I I agree with you. I think I really and also it kind of gets rid of some of the moments in the keynotes that we all like roll our eyes and just like, Oh, this is dumb. Yeah. This is like, we don't need this. So it's, it's, it's really nice. I actually like it a lot. Yeah. What's going to be the, uh, the best selling iPhone this year? Well, I'm still going to be debating between either the, the iPhone SE or the iPhone 12 mini, quite honestly. Um, yeah. you know, these are the iPhone SE was exactly what I thought did exactly what I thought would do. When I saw that thing, I'm like, this is gonna be the top selling iPhone. And it, it Apple doesn't re uh, reveal their official, um, individual sales anymore, but all analysts said the iPhone SE was their best selling. The revenue from it indicated that it was their best selling phone um, of the past two quarters or whatnot since it was in in a released. So the 12 Mini has the same opportunity as the iPhone SE. I, if I had to guess though, I'm gonna I'm gonna say the iPhone SE purely because it's still an iPhone that has an A13 chip in it, and general consumers don't know, but it's 399. If you yeah. can tell someone you can be part of the Apple ecosystem for $399, think about it this way. You can get a iPhone SE, an entry-level um, Apple Watch. Apple Watch, let's, yeah. Let's let's give them the SE. I'm not going to give them the three. Let's give them the SE, which is $279, $399, and then a pair of uh, AirPods. You're talking about all those three things for around $800? You got to be kidding me. That yeah. is a killer package when you're talking about what the Apple ecosystem can can do for someone if you're drinking that kool-aid which quite honestly we we're in it deep so we understand yep. that um yep. but for 800 for those three things like that it's kind of crazy 
Yeah, they got they got to be there at every price point. I think the mini is a pretty enticing. Uh, Absolutely, you know, it's a reflection back on where iPhone has come from, and I think that there's going to be a lot of uh, nostalgia involved in people picking that up. But I think it also, if it does very well, it might open up a category for even smaller phones mm-hmm. uh, going forward, which would be crazy. And then I guess what we'll see is we'll see the watch and the small phone finally intersect, and boom. There's your Dick Tracy right there, right? I'm, I'm, right. <laughs> I'm telling you, Vic, I've been calling out. I mean, I'm, I'm not, look, I don't work at Apple. These people are way smarter than I am. I'm so lucky to be able to talk and that my opinion matters because I've been covering them for so long. Um, but yeah, that's, that's all I've been waiting for. I say it in my video every time. And some people like say, you're dumb. Some people say, that's amazing. Guess and, what? It's going to be amazing. I'm sure a lot of people say, who's Dick Tracy? <laughs> <laughs> That's true too. That's that's totally true too. Oh man. Awesome. Dude, we could talk all day. Um, uh, I think what I would like to do is uh, have you back in a month or two and, and uh, we do a little re- regroup and a, and a sort of uh, discussion once all these phones are out in the wild. It sounds like November is uh, when, the, when the really good stuff starts hitting. Uh, but, uh, I, you know, you're, you're fantastic, man. And, and everybody that's watching this, make sure you check out Brian's YouTube channel. It's youtube.com slash Brian Tong. Uh, and you can follow him on Twitter follow this man he's got some great insights and a lot of wisdom and uh, lots of good stories for you oh man thanks so much vic um absolutely we're gonna do this again i'm signing i'm signing that on the bottom on that dotted line right now i will be back and i just cool. honestly really appreciate this conversation because this is the first time we've ever actually talked this long yeah and it was just like talking to an old friend so awesome i feel the fun, same man. way brother thank you i'll be back all right cool thank you and thanks for watching everybody we will see you soon until then play forever